Welcome to Holy Unhappiness, conversations about the expectations we have of what the life of faith will feel like. I'm your host, Amanda Held Opelt, author of the book, Holy Unhappiness, God, Goodness, and the Myth of the Blessed Life. Each week, I'll be speaking with writers, pastors, artists, and friends about the myths we believe about the good life. Together, we'll reimagine what blessing can look like if we are willing to look beyond our culture's definition of happiness and success. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. the podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us again. Today, we are going to be talking about suffering. And really, it was my experience of grief that kind of solidified for me this concept of the emotional prosperity gospel and helped me see the ways that it had infiltrated how I was thinking about God and about life. I know it sounds really strange to say that I was disappointed in the experience of grief. But what I mean is that I always had thought that if I lost someone I really love or experienced some sort of tragedy, that yes, it would be hard. But I assumed that my sound theology of suffering and my solid relationship of, you know, with the Lord would somehow buoy me up out of the pain that I would experience the peace that passes understanding in my grief. And so when grief was like awful, when it was so much worse than I thought it would be, I kind of just thought maybe that I had failed or God had failed or maybe God wasn't even real. And so this topic really gets to the heart of my book, Holy Unhappiness. Is my relationship with God still holy, still good, even when I'm unhappy, even when the suffering does not resolve into a clear silver lining or redemptive purpose? And today I'm really glad to be speaking with another singer-songwriter who has also experienced prolonged pain and prolonged struggle and writes about it in her music and shares about it through her social media presence. Her name is Leah Wren. And I, I actually hope you immediately pause this podcast and go listen to her music instead and, and then come back, come back to me. Um, but she, she's based in Philadelphia. She's a singer songwriter who blends soul, folk and pop genres. Her goal is to process emotions through music and to help her listeners do the same. Inspired by her birth name, Leah Wren, 
and by Matthew 6, 26, which is the verse about God caring for the birds of the field. Her name, Leah Wren, it's actually literally means a songbird of the meadows. And she says her name is a reminder to the artist that the Lord is faithful to provide for the needs of his children. And today we are going to talk about how God does this, even in our suffering. Leah, thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, I love interviewing other singer-songwriters. Um, we had John Guerra on earlier in the season. That was so fun. And um, Leah, I've just I've been following your music for a while and your work and your advocacy and um, online and just am a fan of, of what you're doing and what you're speaking into the world. So it's just really a thrill for me um, that that you agreed to be on. Um, but yeah, so Leah, you and I have never really had a conversation. <laughs> and yet today, we are going to jump into the very light topic of prolonged suffering. <laughs> just thought we'd, we'd start our friendship out by just diving into the deep end. Um, but but I, you, you've written, and I've seen you write before um, on social media, you've said that um, that, that you you like to say the hard things and you like to educate um to advocate for those who are struggling and and make space for people's sorrow and i i really appreciate that because not not many people are willing to do that and i kind of want to hear from you just to start out like why do you think christians are so hesitant to be honest about the reality of suffering and why why is it that we gravitate towards the stories of victory, maybe, rather than um, the stories of struggle or prolonged pain? Um, I was recently actually talking to my mom about the same thing because hmm. um, I had posted uh, some haikus about uh, just like chronic illness. And mm-hmm. like she was like, oh, yeah, they're so sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't really know if they have necessarily an emotion tied to them. They're just things that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it doesn't have to be a bad thing or like, it doesn't have to be negative just to like mm-hmm. say what you're feeling. And I think that a lot of, um, like Christian spaces kind of focus on the joy because, uh, suffering is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people want to fix things a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when there isn't a clear, uh, answer or, um, like way to solve something, it's like, oh, I don't know how to sit with this. Mm. And I think because I've like had experiences with this since I was a kid, it comes naturally to me. Um, and so I'm just like, okay, like I've always been used to holding um, both joy and sorrow like at the same time. Um, and so it doesn't feel like a struggle that much to me because it's just like, okay, this is something I've always done. But um, I think to some people who have kind of been like brought into Christianity and like disciple by people who are just like, oh, yeah, like, focus on the joy of the Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, like, this is a lot to recognize also that there are um, some stories of people who aren't getting healing. Um, mm. And I was, like, looking into, like, uh, I was like, I don't know, like, I guess there's, like, people that I never really thought about in the Bible um, who, like, aren't, like, or who were in biblical times, like who didn't get to like be healed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what does it feel like, you know, for them to have like heard about this man who can like heal people and like, they just didn't get a chance to like get close enough or like he didn't heal them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, of course, we don't like see those stories. Um, but it's like, it's interesting to think about because it's like God's goodness remains even in that. And I think that's also kind of like a place of tension where people um, just struggle with, you know, believing that God is good, even in the midst of suffering. Um, Cause it's like, Oh, like if God is good, then like I'm supposed to like feel great uh, and like not have anything bad happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, Oh, like that, that's, that doesn't necessarily like God's goodness. Like I feel like personally I've experienced God um, holding me in the midst of mm-hmm. pain. Um, and so it wasn't like, Oh, like I'm going to take you out of the situation and I'm going to, uh, fix your body and I'm going to like, you know, you're not going to have to deal with these things anymore. It's like, no, like I felt to me that God was like carrying me through it and like crying with me in the midst of it. Um, and like, that's, that's a miracle too. The miracle isn't just in the healing. The miracle is in the caring and just Mm -hmm. the dwelling with God. Yeah. I, I've read, I read this quote on an earlier podcast episode, um, with with Kendall Vanderslice, but it's this Amy Amy Kenny who writes about disability in the church, and she just that I'll read it again. She says to assume that my disability needs to be erased in order for me to live an abundant life is disturbing, not only because what it says about me, but because of what it reveals about people's notions of God. Like, is God only good when we experience kind of that? that miraculous moment of healing or that, that, that kind of, um, you know, extreme transformation or the, the stories of victory has gotten only present in those things. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that, no, there's a, the, the, the miracle of existing in his presence is, is there's power in that. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know about you, but I think for me, I always thought, I kind of felt like, I, my, my feelings, my happiness were kind of an indication of holiness that like, if I was a, if I was a holy person, if I had a structurally sound theology of suffering, if I was doing my daily quiet time, then all my feelings would be positive, optimistic, um, this sense of, of, of victory and positivity in the midst even of trials. And so as I've walked through my own grief and still struggled with, with fear, with anxiety, with pain, in spite of the fact that I feel like I'm, I'm pursuing God, that's kind of created this cognitive dissonance for me, right? Of like, am I, am I failing? Is God failing? Is God even real? Because I'm doing all the right things. I'm believing all the right things, but the emotions don't always follow, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. is that something, is that kind of a message you were given to? Yeah. I feel like, um, even since I was like a kid, I didn't know that I had anxiety. Um, didn't really even know what anxiety was. I just, you know, heard the verse where it's like, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew that I had like these weird like feelings in my body where it's like, oh, there's tension and discomfort and like thoughts that won't stop. Um, and so I was told kind of just like, oh, you know, like if you pray about it, like, I don't know if they necessarily said it was going to go away, but it was, it was just kind of that like thought behind it. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah. So it was like, okay, like I'm doing the right things. Like I'm going to church all the time and I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading devotionals and I'm spending time with like Christian friends and like praying and doing all these things. I'm doing the good yep. things. I'm like, ticking all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And like nothing's changing. So it's like, you know, I, I think within myself, like I had to kind of find a way to wrestle with God 
mm-hmm. and thinking and believing just that God can be good outside of my understanding of what goodness is. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of having to unlearn what my definition of goodness was and relearn who God actually was. Yeah. Well, and I think we're, we're a culture and a society that places so much emphasis on feelings. Our feelings kind of define us. Our feelings are what kind of help us categorize the quality of our life or um, the, the, the impact of our work, whatever that, whatever the case may be. And and I think one one reason I really love your song Obedience, and if, if so, everyone who's listening, you need to go listen to Leah's song Obedience on Spotify or wherever you get your music. I put it on my playlist for my book Holy Unhappiness um, because I I think there is something to be said about following in the way of God, walking in the way of God, remaining obedient to the way of Jesus, even when your feelings maybe uh, are are left behind a bit and and your feelings kind of still get stuck and 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 caught up in the fallenness of the world it doesn't mean that 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 determines the character and the quality of my life um and it it's not like mind over matter i i think i think i just am reminded that sometimes our habits matter just as much as our feelings and that maintaining those habits, there's a lot of healing in that too. And that, that over time, um, you know, our thoughts and our feelings then are realigned in what's good and what's true. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. I think it's, it's, you've always said it's important for you and for others to be honest about the reality of mental health struggles. Is that, is that something that you've gotten pushback on as you've been maybe more honest about Nate? Like you said, you didn't even know what anxiety was. I mean, say like we didn't really talk about it much. I mean, maybe in my household, we did a little bit more because my dad has a degree in counseling, but in the kind of the larger Christian, yeah, very helpful Um, in the larger Christian subculture. I think it's just not something especially maybe when I was growing up in like the nineties and early two thousands, there was just maybe a hesitancy to say, well, no, that's the world's way of dealing with spiritual problems. We deal with spiritual problems through the Bible and through prayer and through behavior modification and, and dealing with sin. Um, have you gotten that kind of pushback as you've begun to be more honest about your struggles? Yeah, I think uh, it like only a little bit. It depends on like which, people that I'm talking to at the moment. Like, I think also like what you said about like uh, growing up in the nineties, early two thousands, like I think uh, like my parents' generation, like it's a little bit more difficult for them to like understand it because it's something that they weren't taught really to process. Um, And so I feel like it's a little bit easier like for millennials because like, okay, like we were doing Mm -hmm. the work, like, (laughs) Yeah, like we were taught like how to do it, so we have to like kind of teach ourselves like how to think about um, you know our mental health struggles, uh, especially like including our faith in that. And I think it depends on like who like I'm talking to. Like, there's been a lot of people uh, like online that I've met, and they're mm-hmm. like super kind. Um, like, I feel like I've met a lot of people who experience the same things. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I'm not the only one, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is like such a relief. It's like, okay, like other people experience this stuff. And um, like, it really isn't like 
that um, isolating. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, there are some people who have like messaged me after I posted something and they're like, oh, have you tried um, essential oils? Um, I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, you know, that might be helpful for some people. Yeah. But also like, trust me, I have tried everything. Yes. Like I've tried so much like, oh my gosh. And that in itself is exhausting. It's like, okay, all these medicines, all of these um, natural remedies, that's costly financially, physically, mm-hmm. like, and it's just, it's a lot. So I think a lot of people, once again, kind of get in the mindset of like trying to fix the situation rather than just like hearing mm-hmm. about it and like kind of sitting with it. Yeah. Like, and that makes me think of Job a lot where it's like the, his friends didn't like sit with him and just like, you know, I'm so upset that these things are happening for you. And it was more just like, oh, kind of like, what did you do? And like, mm-hmm. how did you solve it? <laughs> Yeah, Whereas, like, you know, it's yeah, I feel like there's a there's a quiet sitting and just like solitude and, and even sadness that we need to have. Yeah, I th- that that urge, that impulse that we all have to assign a silver lining to our pain or to somehow, um, you know, oh, well, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We're always optimizing. We're always trying to, to improve, to move upward, to progress. And, you know, I, I try not to be too hard on people for the silly things they say when you're grieving, when you're sick, when you're, when you're struggling, because I think we're all just coping and we're all just trying to make sense of how challenging it is to be human. And sometimes they say it because they care, like they just don't want you to be in pain anymore. But what people who are grieving or people who, are sick, what what we need more than anything are not solutions, particularly when we've tried everything. It's like, try, yeah. like you said, trust me, I've tried everything. What we need is companionship. What we need is kind of almost like the normalization of our pain and not to be taught that this is an aberration. Like this is not normal. What you're, what you're experiencing is not normal. You should be able to life hack your way through this with essential oils or with whatever, like meditate. Like what I need is someone to say, yes, being human is hard. I have been there. I'm with you. You have my love. You have my support. You have my solidarity. If we could kind of normalize the experience of pain rather than shoving it to the margins and acting like you're an anomaly because A, you're sick or you're an anomaly because B, you're grieving or because C, you're struggling with mental health, whatever. Like, I just don't like feeling like I'm an anomaly because I'm in pain. I want someone to say the truth, which is this is actually normal. This is the normal human experience, you know, but we're just so reticent to do that. I think in American culture, we're just, we want to fix the problem immediately. This instant gratification culture, we just don't have that capacity to be patient with our pain, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for all the people that have written you strange, like... (laughs) prescriptions for your your struggle Uh, you wrote in a post recently you said thinking of what you said that you're thinking about what it would be like to live in a world where people with chronic health issues are celebrated rather than tolerated and you know so many hard things in life are chronic you know like grief is chronic i don't think it fully ever goes away there are people dealing with health issues that are chronic i think fear anxiety disquiet in your heart can be chronic. What do you think happens to us as a society when we 
avoid people who are in pain and that better world that you're dreaming of, what, what would that look like? I think for like the avoidance part, um, it just makes it more difficult to engage people who are going through, um, especially like prolonged grief and suffering because it's like, Oh, like I talked to you last month and like, you're still, <laughs> still it's struggling. Not it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so like, I think that makes it difficult because um, then that person who's experiencing uh, the grief or suffering, it's like, okay, now I'm the problem um, because my emotions haven't changed or my situation hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, I feel like I've also been learning um, how to be patient with myself in the midst of grief and suffering because um, there's always these kind of timelines that don't make sense. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this happened to you like such a long time ago. Like it, it should be, you should be processing already. Like it should be processed. It should be kind of like mm-hmm. you're moving forward. You're getting out of it. You're healed. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to like be patient because healing, um, yeah, I feel like I've spent a lot of time learning about healing and like what that actually means and looks like. And it's not like, always necessarily a physical healing but more mm. of like a healing of a of the mindset um behind mm. the situation um and just like how you cope with certain things um mm. so i've been yeah i've been learning a lot about healing and grief and i think i actually wrote uh i feel like i wrote like a lot of songs over the summer uh just because a lot of things have been happening with my mm. body and just my life um and i wrote uh it's a song called Lilies and Ravens. And the first line is um, talking to walls about how I'm jealous of lilies and ravens. They have what they need. Sitting here asking, when is it my turn? Because I wanted fruit, but my God gave me seeds. Mm. And I'm just like, everybody else is getting like the good things in life. And I'm over here still, you know, dealing with this. But yeah, I think a world in which everyone is tolerated and accepted um, starts with kind of like me learning to love and appreciate myself uh, for dealing with the things that I'm dealing with mm-hmm. and also uh, just other like people being patient um, and understanding uh, the things that other people are going through. Yeah. Yeah. I think you wrote, I saw you re- write recently that it is internalized ableism, even within you, that sometimes prevents you from loving and accepting yourself in your own pain and, and, and the mystery of what's going on in your body. And gosh, it's so, it's so hard to disentangle that stuff sometimes. It's so hard to, um, to see where it's impacting how you're thinking of yourself and others. It takes so much work. Um, yeah, I, I love, uh, that, the, the lines to that song are really powerful. We're just always, we always, we want to rush the growth process. We don't want the seed part. <laughs> we want the fruit part. We want the harvest. We, we want the reaping. The Where are the flowers? Where is the foliage? Like? <laughs> yes. I want the happy ending. I want the beauty for the ashes. I mm-hmm. want the dancing, not the mourning. Yeah. Um, but actually so much of scripture is, is filled with, that waiting is filled with that lament the the 40 years in the wilderness the, the seasons in exile um 
where do you think lament has a role to play in the church? It's, it, I mean, I don't know about your church, but, and we're working on it. We're trying to do more, but most of the churches I grew up in did not have like a dedicated 10 minutes or a song dedicated to lament during our services. It was all about like, come in here. We're going to make everybody feel better. We're going to hype everybody up. We're going to, um, you know, get people feeling excited about their life and excited about their faith. Um, my church now, we're trying to actually make space every Sunday to hold pain hold space for people who come in in pain and recognize that lament is a form of worship. What What is the role that that has to play in the church? How do we make space for that? I feel like that's that's an incredible attitude to have towards lament and like wanting to include it like each Sunday. I feel like that's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person who has led worship, sometimes I feel a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like, oh, now you have to stand in front of these people, and it's like, oh, you're depressed because life's not going great. But you gotta smile and just be like, oh, Jesus is so good to me yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, well, me and God been tussling a little bit, so like, you know, it's not going to necessarily be like happy joy. But I feel like I am trying to like bring myself, uh, at least like all of my. Uh, emotions each Sunday when I'm leading mm-hmm. worship and it won't necessarily be, it'll be however I come. And so I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be a certain way. Um, and I don't know if it's like necessarily an unspoken kind of uh, thing where it's like, Oh, like everyone expects you to be this way. I'm just like, eh, I don't really, you know, care about the expectations, even if it isn't something that's expected. Uh, but I, I want to be authentic so that other people can feel free to be authentic Mm-hmm. Um, I think that lament is so important. Like we see it all throughout the Bible and I feel like it isn't talked about enough, um, which is why I love talking about it so much mm. <laughs> uh, because it's, it's, there's always a space for that. Um, like whether you're experiencing grief in the moment or you're going into a season that might have grief in it or even something in the past, um, like there's, or people in your life that are going through it, there's always grief, um, always suffering. And so I think instead of just trying to like find pat answers to make people feel better, like it's important um, just to even wrestle with our understanding and our theology of mm-hmm. suffering um, and not being okay with not having all the answers. Um, Cause that's so hard. It's like, Oh yeah. Uh, like I have to have an answer for everything. Nope. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have an answer for everything. Like God doesn't even give us the answers for every single thing. So right. it's, you know, it's, it's hard to wrestle with, but like, it's something that we have to just sit in. Like tension is uncomfortable, but it's something that we have to learn to sit in. It's, yeah. It's going to be forever. <laughs> right. When you brought up Job earlier, it's like Job never actually knew the reason for his suffering. We kind of have the curtain pulled back for us as we look at the text. We see that there was this kind of conversation happening in the divine council and this diabolical dare where Satan is basically mm-hmm. like, well, let, let me, let me at Job and see if his faith remains strong and God agrees. And, you know, now we have this, this story of suffering that has been handed down to the generations that have encouraged people in their own grief and their own, but Job didn't know any of that was going on. All he knows is that like his children died and he lost all his possessions and he got sick. And the answer God gives him is I'm God. I'm here. I'm in control. Like, so I I think we, we always feel entitled to answers, but we, we very rarely get, I think, a clear answer or a reason for why we're going through what we're going through. 
and and certainly not early on as early as we'd like it you know definitely i feel like even what you said earlier about the um what was it about the uh what doesn't kill me makes me stronger yeah and like it's like oh like that's actually not true uh yeah. you know sometimes what doesn't kill us doesn't make us stronger we're yeah. just crawling through at this point it's not yeah. you know it wasn't it's not a situation where uh it was the thing was given to you in order to make you a better person yeah. or like sometimes things just happen sometimes i think we try to make sense out of things but sometimes life happens and you have to like acclimate but it's not like this was made especially for you to yeah. grow your character and change your life for the better right it's but that's sometimes how we cope with the mystery of suffering is we try to demystify it and we, we try to somehow make sense of it so that we can feel better about what's happening to us. And yeah, and I, I don't I don't know that the Bible does that all the time. I don't know that, that God gives us those answers all the time. I, I love what you said about standing up as a worship leader. I'm also a worship leader. And so it's like this this thing you have to kind of confront every Sunday morning when you go up there and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of fear today. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety or I'm feeling a lot of grief or I yelled at my kids on my way out the door, whatever, like whatever it is you're going through. And yet I have to kind of lead these people into 20 minutes of positive emotions and euphoric worship. That's kind of this pressure that I carried for a long time because it was like, just like you said, it, it was almost as if you said, no, I'm in pain. If you say I'm in pain or if you acknowledge the pain in the room, it's as if you're saying Jesus is not good. It's this false dichotomy. Like either Jesus is good, so we're all happy, or I'm sad, so maybe God's not good or God's not in control. And it just does, it doesn't have to be that way. That is a yeah. false, that's a false dichotomy that we Absolutely. sometimes carry as, as worship leaders. But so you're a songwriter. Um, and I, I want to hear for you, how has music and the arts and writing been a balm to you in your seasons of suffering? Um, I will just say that your Holy and Happiness playlist uh, has been so good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just I'm like more that. proud of the playlist, I think, maybe than the books. <laughs> no, I mean, thank you for saying that. I'm just, I, to me, play, making playlists is my spiritual gift, I'm pretty sure. So thank you that. for recognizing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's been so good. I'm like, there's some people that I hadn't heard of. Um, and then some people are just like, oh, I see my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my God, these songs are so good. And like, even just like the title, like, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, I didn't even know about your book, but I saw the playlist. I said, oh, this is, this is for me. I need awesome. this right now. <laughs> good. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like for, for songwriting, like, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, since I've been doing it but I feel like for most of the time that I've been writing songs like a lot of it carries like a wrestling between like joy and sorrow and mm -hmm. I feel like that's the only way I know how to write because like that's the way that I live um a lot of times it's kind of just like a journal mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like either it's a journal or a prayer I'm just like mm -hmm. lord what is going on like even with the song that I was talking about earlier, um, I was like, yes, I have to confront the fact that I am feeling like neglected and abandoned mm -hmm. by God in some sense. Um, and it's like, I'm not going to just be like, oh, no, that doesn't matter. Or like, no, I know the truth. I need to like actually 
sit with those feelings and be like, okay, why do I feel this way? Uh, what have I experienced that made me feel this way? Because mm. um, I think there's even healing and growth in that uh, rather than just being like, oh, um, you know, I'm in pain right now. Uh, I'm so upset with God. And be like, oh, no, God is so good. Like, mm, okay, yeah. why do I feel upset with God? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. And so it's like it, you kind of like get healing uh, or even just um, awareness of um, your thought processes uh, and how how you're thinking about what God is and, and, and what he does. So I think that actually is the whole premise of what I'm trying to accomplish with the book is that if, if we're just trying so hard to circumvent our negative feelings or ignore them or shove them down or pretend they don't exist, then we're not going to learn anything. And I, I'm not saying every negative or hard or unhappy feeling we've ever had is totally justified. I think what I'm trying to say is that like, we, we've just got to listen to it. We have to make space for it. We have to bring it honestly before God. And in that way, it can do a holy work. You know, the word holy means set aside for a sacred purpose. And I think that our our difficult feelings, that moment, that re- very real moment you have with God saying, I'm upset with you. I'm, I'm frustrated that I'm not well. I'm frustrated that I'm still in grief. I'm frustrated, whatever it may be. There is a holy work that can happen and those um, that can teach you something either about your life. It can teach you about what it means to be human in the world. It can teach you something about God. Um, it, it, it can be an avenue for deeper intimacy with God. And I just, I think that until we really let that pain do its work in us, then, then it is wasted to, to a certain degree. And so I think just making space and listening to your pain is such an important part of the spiritual formation process, you know? Mm. Well, I, on that note, you talk about making space for both joy and sorrow to coexist, to exist alongside one another. The question I ask all my guests is, as you've grown in your walk with the Lord, how has your understanding of happiness or blessing changed or evolved as uh, over time? I feel like I've definitely been unlearning and relearning things so much. Uh, and it's, I feel like the process is always super long because it's like you've had this whole lifetime to learn things. And so you can't just expect all of those uh, beliefs to like change overnight. Mm -hmm. But I think I've definitely had to sit with the fact that God is still good and cares about me, even when I don't understand what's happening or if they're like, I don't understand the reason behind something. Um, And just seeing uh, just seeing the miracles and the little things, um, because I think that's I think looking at miracles as just like this big like transformation, like, oh, it has to be these specific things like healing or like a new job, like something like super crazy. It's I think just like finding miracles in the mundane has been Mm -hmm. something that I've been trying to to do for the past couple of years because it's like okay, I can see God in this. It's like the miracle of friendship, Mm. the miracle of um, just spending time with God and like, and writing a song about how I'm feeling and other people actually being able to relate to it and feeling like it's helping them process things too. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon Martin said something on the podcast a few episodes ago where she was like, if, 
you know, we tend to think of blessing as like, yeah, the, the new house or the, the big job or the, the, the miraculous healing. But she's like, I've, I've started to think that blessings aren't really blessings if they're not accessible to all. And not everybody is going to have that miracle. Not everybody's going to have that material provision. But what do we all have access to? Connection, belonging, love, hope, grace. Those are the blessings that don't ebb, that don't change. They don't ebb and flow as our circumstances change. They're always with us. As long as the presence of God is with us, those things, those blessings can be with us and, and can be miraculously born and reborn into our lives again and again. And I think that's really beautiful. Well, Leah, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've shared. It's, um, I hope people uh, find you online. Where, where can people find you? I want to make sure people know where to listen to your music and follow what you're saying and what you're speaking out into the world. It's Leah Ren, L-E-A-H-W-R-E-N-N-E, um, on like streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Uh, and the, it's the same thing on Instagram, uh, but it just has music at the end, Leah Ren Music. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, same. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. (laughs) I want to close the podcast today with a blessing written by KJ Ramsey. If you follow KJ online, you know that she too has been going through a season of prolonged suffering. And so if you would, I'd love for you to take this time as you hear this blessing to Pray for KJ or pray for someone else in your life who is going through a time of trial. Or maybe you are the one who is experiencing a trial. So may this be a time for you to absorb some grace and some love. What is your only comfort to be courageous in life and in death? That everywhere I go, I belong, body and soul, in all my days, all my doubts, and even all my despair and my coming death to you, my Savior and my friend, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, there is nothing in life and no manner of death that can separate me from your friendship. Everywhere I go, you go with me. You are always glad to be with me. Because you became like me, I can become like you. Because you felt fear, anger, and betrayal, even in my anguish, I can partake of your life. Because you were faithful to feel and trust, even in my fear, I can be faithful to your trust in the Father to work goodness and life recreates my own. Your courage in the face of death has made the Father mine the spirit present, and my future secure. You see me with such tenderness and attentiveness that not even a hair can fall from my head outside your care. Every detail of my body and soul belongs to you and is held with constant kindness in your heart. There is no hour of my life that is lived outside your care. No part of me will ever be lost. You are presently gathering up all the shattered pieces of me, together with all the broken pieces of this earth, into a brilliant world that will never die. Every moment of my story is but a movement in your hands to make all things whole. 
That is a blessing written by K.J. Ramsey in her book of Common Courage. Thank you for joining us once again today. Thank you.